Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Welcome to today's episode. We have a special guest with us today. I'm super excited to actually have a listener of the Fundraising Freedom Podcast, uh, Philippa Fabry, who is the Director of Communications, Fundraising, and School Design at the Elson Academy in uh, Port Elizabeth, Eastern Cape, South Africa. So welcome to the show, Philippa. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's lovely to be here. And it's so awesome to be able to be on your show. I feel quite, I feel like a groupie. Yeah. Like a a groupie being backstage. Right. Exactly. I'm so excited. Behind the scenes. Yes. Well, (laughs) and we actually met because of this podcast, right? Yep. Okay. How did you? I think I've listened to every single one. (laughs) Every single one. <laughs> mm. I love it. Okay, no pressure, everyone. Um, but you have no to pressure. step up and be like Philippa. <laughs> so, well, I download love it. them all. Download them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Well, you know, fill in the gaps here and tell us a little bit more about what you do at Elson Academy. Okay. Well, as you said, um, I'm I'm the director of funding, communication, and school design. Um, just. Just a side note, I have never studied marketing or fundraising in my life. Um, so I, after school, I studied teaching and then I went on and did remedial therapy, taught for eight years, um, went into private practice being a remedial therapist and then started a school and then obviously had to be on the management team. And, um, and here I am sort of raising funds and, and every day it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different challenge because sort of running a school, you're always dealing with so many different areas of, of, of education and dealing with people and emotions and uh, strategic planning and budgets. Um, so it was really, um, I must admit, it was a bit of a blindfolded journey for me. Um, you know, that game, pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. And I felt like I was doing that throughout. Um, so I started grabbing web uh, podcasts and blogs and I just read up as much as I possibly could because um, this was a this was definitely an area that I'd never swum in before um, so I was very very pleased to have come across um, your 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 book and your and your blog and your web page so I've just sort of dived in and thought well it's sink or swim yeah you know well, and I, I love that you really took it upon yourself to start learning and trying to figure this stuff out. And you've obviously been navigating through a season that, yeah, none of us really anticipated, right? Mm, <laughs> so exactly. one of the main reasons why we decided to have this conversation today is really because, I mean, you are unlike a lot of the guests that I have had on the show in the past, which is, you know, you're you're doing this. This is, you're running mm. your charity, you're keeping your school doors open and trying to do your best through uh, this season mm. of, of the coronavirus. And just like uh, many of us who are, you know, of course, here in the United States, I mean, you're dealing with the same stuff in South Africa, you know, in Africa and, and mm. figuring out how do we keep our charity doors open as we're doing this. And so um, I love that we get to chat about what some of the ideas and some of the things that you've done and really uh, hopefully stir some ideas for our listeners here today. So tell us real quick, mm. what what is it about fundraising that you actually enjoy? 
Mary, you know, it, it, it's, it's, diff- it's difficult because um, I wouldn't say I'm passionate about fundraising, but I'm def- definitely passionate about sharing the, the longevity of my school and making sure that, that we outlast any crisis that, that tends to, to come our way. Um, and I think fundraisers have got that, that um, fire in their belly. You know, it's not a flame. It's a fire in your belly that you, you, you feel inspired every day to get up and, and, and try and find something to to either create that exposure for yourself or create that connection with with the person or um, put something out on Facebook that somebody comments on or engages with or something those are the sort of small successes um, that you, you you sort of live for every day but when you do manage to um, connect with a donor who also shares your vision and shares your passion for your organization that relationship to me is the most important one to to connect with somebody who shares your passion, who has a vested interest in what you do and is happy to walk a road with you and won't just sort of donate for a year, but they will happily donate when you ask again and when you ask again. And I think that's, that to me is key of fundraising. It's not, you know, how much money can I raise, but it's who, who are the people that I can connect with and with them donating, they also, um, they also feel that they are achieving something because they're donating to the cause that they are passionate about as well. So I really can't imagine my life without Elson Academy um, because, you know, in the beginning when you start off doing something, you do everything. You're the chief cook and bottle wash. I can remember I was doing the garden. I was changing light bulbs. um, And then also I was looking after a team of people and you're responsible for those people. And now it's just scaled up. So instead of you're only focusing on 13 students, you're now focusing on 145 students. You're not only focusing on a garden and changing some light bulbs, but you're also dealing with an entire campus and all the, <laughs> the budget that, that, that is required to run that, that facility. So it's the same objective. You're raising money so that you can continue doing what you're doing and it just that it scales. Yeah. So it's maybe you're not now need, needing to raise 10,000. You might be needing to raise 100,000. Mm-hmm. But the objective is still there, and that is financial sustainability. So, and and not being, able to, not being able to look too far into the future, certainly not now, mm-hmm. because nobody knows what's going to happen. So our objective is no salary cuts. We're just going to keep plodding on for as long as we possibly can, until we can see this, this horrible pandemic out um, and hopefully come out of this whole thing stronger and, and be, you know, better able to face the next crisis whenever that might come. And all the lessons that you learn along the way as well, that, sort of, that, that sort of, I suppose, um, strengthens you as a person, not only as a person, but as a fundraiser and uh, as somebody who has to sort of be responsible for other people's well-being yeah. as well. Well, and I mean... A lot of people can relate to you right now. I mean, nobody would have ever expected this. Mm. But at the same time, exactly what you said, it's like, you know, just when you first get started, you're just keeping doing everything that you can to keep your doors, you know, to do yeah, do what you can to pay for what you're doing. And uh, so mm. right now, you guys, you mentioned that you have 145 students. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about like the age range of kids that you work with and uh, exactly what you do at Elson mm. Academy? Sure. So um, Mary, we, we have sort of four schools in one. 
Um, we have our, our primary school from, from grades one to seven. We have our high school, uh, grade eight to 12. We also have a vocational skills group, which um, are, are more uh, for, for skills development, children who are doing a more um, vocational route. And then we have an online learning center, which has been an absolute, it, it was interesting how we started that in 2018. We never realized that that would actually be what, we, what everybody was needing to be doing now. Mm. So we started an online learning center for children who, for whatever reason, weren't really partial to coming to school every day, wearing a uniform, doing all the, I suppose, school related things. They wanted to be more free range. Um, and so the learning center, we, it, it, it's, it's, it's been uninterrupted. Let's put it that way. We haven't had to stop teaching for a second because it's all online. Mm -hmm. So that's, those are our four schools in one. Um, and we, we have got 145 students altogether, as I said, but four schools, um, a staff of about um, 20, Eight, I would say, teachers, counselors, our admin team, cleaners. It's, it's our family, you know. Um, yeah. And we all are in it for the same reason. You know, we all have this, this, um, this yearning to work with special needs children. Really good. I just yeah. wanted to give everybody an idea of, yeah, this isn't just a this isn't a mom and pop fundraiser, you know, that or a nonprofit that you're running. I mean, really, yeah, a significant organization that you guys are responsible mm. for. A lot of teachers, a lot of students, and and growth. And so I know. Yeah, I must actually. Oh, go ahead. I should also just state that um, our schools in South Africa are either public or private or semi-private. So um, we have public schools that are that are purely funded by the state, and then we have private schools that are purely funded by parents and fees, and then we have semi-private who receive subsidy from the state. So they have um, fees that the that the government do provide for salaries and for certain um, budget items. But our school is purely private, mm -hmm. so we receive no funds from the state. So our only income. Um, is fees and our fundraising. So we're almost um, a social enterprise in that um, we don't purely rely on fundraising because we do get income as well. Okay. So I'm yeah. not too sure how that relates to your your Canadian schools. Yeah. Well, in American, yeah, both both of those are yeah fall in line with the same kind of private school system here because a lot and a lot of our public schools. I mean, our our schools across the board are fundraising because there's always only so much fundraising mm. or so much so much funds that are available to cover the basic needs of the school system. So mm, uh, mm. yeah, I think you're connecting with a lot of people on that um, yeah. same level. So really great. Yeah. And it's well, not just about doing the odd raffle or doing the odd yeah. um, bake sale. You know, it goes far deeper than that. Um, you know, that's been done and dusted. I can remember doing that at school myself, um, going door to door and, and asking people to take a raffle or sponsor, sponsor me while I run around a track. Um, you know, that, that just doesn't cut it anymore. Um, we are needing to do far more and we're needing to really sort of um, compete with the other giants out there, the hospice and the, um, you know, the, the, the chuck organization and, and those big um, sort of well-resourced um, charities. I wouldn't even call us well-resourced because it's, it's, it's literally a small group of people 
that are that are looking after you know the 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 the, the bank account you could say yeah well so I'm it glad is that, yeah yeah i'm glad that you said that because there's there's a lot of people that reach out to me about doing those smaller kinds of fundraisers bake sales car washes that kind of thing and and they they're quite mm -hmm. synonymous with schools you know it's like mm -hmm. oh this is easy for us to engage our students in this but just like where you're at in your fundraising where you're like we can't we can't do fundraisers that way anymore mm -hmm. because you're you would be fundraising every single day all year mm -hmm. round <laughs> it's like you would be yeah. absolutely exhausted with that kind yeah. of fundraising so yeah. um tell us tell us a little bit about what were you doing before the pandemic how were you raising funds prior to all of this in um you know last year in 2019 mm. We, we, all right. So prior to, to, to 2019, we would, we, we did a golf day. Our golf day is, um, an event that luckily it's, it's a very well run event. Um, we get amazing prizes sponsored. So the golfers sort of wait with bated breath for us to announce our date and they, they are there. So we, we, we normally raise about 80,000, a hundred thousand rand with a golf day. We include an auction. And we do a raffle and we sponsor teas in the whole, the whole spectrum. We also do a fun run, which again, it all depends on the weather because people could decide on the day, I'm not coming to run. It's too windy. It's too rainy. It's too cold. It's too hot. Um, so the fun run is, is another fundraiser. Um, and we also do a music trivia. Those are, we, we try and do one event a term. Okay. Um, and so those we rely on people coming out and supporting those. Um, right. And then, now and then with COVID coming on, <laughs> exactly. with COVID coming on, it was oh like, goodness. I don't yeah. even know. I mean, our golf day was meant to take place now on the 31st of July. Uh -huh. So there's my calendar on the back of my fridge and I have nothing scheduled in for July except the golf day. And I've got a big cross through it. And I've got, I'm, I'm actually going to post that onto my Facebook on the 31st of July. And I'm going to post that on there and say, okay, well, you know, there's, there's no golf day this year, but watch, there has to be, what's going to be the next thing? You know, what's going to be the next thing for September or for August? We're going to have to do something amazing. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be inspired and do something amazing. <laughs> well, but it sounds like you've been inspired and that's what I think is really beautiful about what you've done is that you haven't just sat back and said, oh, well, you know, chalk this up to the pandemic. You have really stepped back and really assessed what are we going to do? How are we going to shift? How are we going to make this different? So uh, share with us a little bit about what you've done. I know you've partnered with your husband on uh, a few projects here. And uh, yeah, fill us in on, on how you've made that shift in 2020 to ensure that you don't lose access to your students and your, your donors and your, the people who love the work yeah. that you're doing. Yeah, I think it it, it, it it was all about going virtual. And I think we we went virtual pretty much the week after we were locked into our houses and we knew, okay, this is level five. We ain't going anywhere. There's no money coming in. What are we going to do? Um, and we decided to do some live streaming from my husband's Facebook page. He's um, He's got a good good number of people on his page being in the entertainment business himself. And so we just did some quirky videos from, from our lounge um, with him making bread and the one day he made pasta and people started watching and 
and we were able to comment. People were commenting and we were commenting back. And it was just such an amazing experience just being able to still connect with our friends and our, our sort of community virtually. And it just grew from there. And now, um, bless his heart, he now does a show called Gino Spot on a Tuesday and a Saturday. In fact, he literally just finished a show about an hour ago. I was kicking him out of the studio saying, my turn, my turn, my turn, go, 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 go. Um, and so he does a, a, a live stream um, onto Facebook and we could have people commenting, you know, and he reads the comments and people just love being um, recognized and they love having their names said out loud. And um, so, so he does that. And I've been doing podcasts, I've been doing webinars, and we've been doing virtual open days for the school. We did our gala dinner that I think I mentioned to you just now. Yeah. We had 200 people watching that, that live stream. We had the teachers coming in and speaking. Um, you know, we could see the teachers there and the kids could comment to the teacher. And bear in mind, they hadn't seen their teacher for maybe two months. Um, so it was just amazing. We had our, the youngest little one in the school. We got him to blow out the virtual candles on the birthday cake, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just those, like I said to you, it wasn't, it wasn't a fundraiser, but it was more, you know, we need to celebrate our school's 15 years old, you know. We need to celebrate that and celebrate the people that have made that um, happen. Um, so having teachers there, having our past teachers, having past parents pop in and say hi, you know, on the, on the stream. Um, so we did that. We've done a virtual run, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we had people running wherever they wanted to run. They could run mm-hmm. and then they could take a photo of where they were and we could pop that up onto the screen. Um, everybody had a turn to come onto the studio, onto the live stream and tell us where they were, who they're running with, um, what their mask looked like, take a, take a photo of the flower. We had the um, prettiest flower competition. We had the prettiest, we had the best dressed runner. Um, so it was just things like that where you're just trying to create um, a bit of fun and, and try not to concentrate on all the, I suppose, COVID negativity, yeah. but look for some of the positives that yeah. are coming out of this, this, um, this crisis. So that's what we've done. And yeah, um, we've got our matric dance coming up. Um, so maybe we're going to do that online too. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I do love that really making that mental shift of let's let's focus on what we do have access to let's focus on what we you know have control of versus what we don't exactly and so for you to shift your you know run event to a virtual run and to create really fun ways for people to engage and to still be a part of it and you know and then also looking at the resources that you have around you so you know you Mm. mentioned that your husband is in the entertainment business and i i can't i i have to give a shout out to gino um gotta love that we both have genos in our lives Mm. So, and by the way, my husband always gets spelled with an I, not an E. So yeah, Philippa okay. has a husband by the name of Gino the with an I. I and mine's with an E. <laughs> so yes, I love it. But you know, he already had, you know, a business that was being shifted over. And so I love that you guys really partnered together on this to figure out Absolutely. how can we use the resources of our business and the resources for the nonprofit to come together on that. So, yes. so what did you guys do with, you know, getting that all set up you you set up your own uh oh little virtual gosh. space in your home oh my gosh <laughs> i promise you when i'm finished i'll actually take a photo okay. and i'll send it to you because you won't believe it. you will not believe what it looks like in here bear in mind 
it was my kitchen and then it was my lounge. Mm-hmm. And now it's at least it's in a separate cottage, but it's, there's just wires and buttons and lights and there's a drum kit in the one studio and there's speakers and a stage and it's just insane. But, I, but, but the fact is that I was able to pivot from, from sort of having to be physically involved at an event and run it, you know, live physically to being able to imagine the event, you know, through the internet and, and having that um, sense of community and having people being able to engage and comment and come onto the screen and people can see you if you, if you are, you know, streamed into the circle virtual studio. So, yeah, I think people struggle to understand the concept of a virtual event, but when you've done one, um, you know, you can then do more and you can just expand on the same concept. Um, we actually are doing, just FYI, mm-hmm. um, we're doing a murder mystery dinner, which is also a virtual event. Um, we're trying it out to see how it goes. But basically, you have the, your six performers and you have a script. And just like Cluedo, uh-huh. I'm sure you've played Cluedo before, mm-hmm. where you have to guess who the murderer was. Right, yeah. Who killed Mr. Plum in the studio with the candlestick, candlestick, yeah, whatever, yeah. So ours is going to be like that, but it's going to be live. So we'll be six performers reading a script, and then people are watching and trying to guess who the murder, who the suspect is. Wow, how much fun is that? I, I it's saw a lot it on of fun. your Facebook group, and I was like, oh, that is it's so, so much fun, cool, yeah. And being able and we get to... people to buy tickets, exactly. so people can buy tickets to that. Right. Attend yeah. and also, yeah, to be fully engaged in the conversation and also in, in the whole story. So that yeah. is, you know, just innovation, like just being creative and figuring out ways to engage people, I think is so incredible. One of one of our listeners, uh, you know, they did the same thing. They work with kids and, you know, they transformed their one of their rooms into a whole kid's studio, bright colors, and, you know, they mm. just slapped some paint on the wall and, you know, just really brighten things up and and they did you know just tons of teaching you know just from their home and and I think that that's where we're at right now where it's like we've just got to be willing to try new things and Mm. you know Philippa what you said about like the first one you don't you don't know you don't know what it's going to be like you don't know what to expect but you know what you can build off of it so I think just as far as giving some people a little bit of advice as they get started you know listening to that is that don't try and be a perfectionist Mm. on the first round right (laughs) like just just take action like what you shared but what advice would you give to somebody who's you know maybe looking at trying to shift things over into a virtual event what now that you've done a couple of them what advice would you give to them oh my gosh again you have to pray that technology actually works um and you've got to hope and pray that your internet is stable that you're, you're, um, you, 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 just, you don't have any um, things that are out of your control. For example, we have um, uh, load shedding, and that could, be, that could happen at any stage, that you have load shedding and, and our lights are switched off and we have no power and you've got this amazing event planned and you've got wow. no electricity. So it's those things that you kind of have to work around. Um, but I think you have to start. You have to start with something that you can manage. Um, obviously, don't, don't start with something that's, that's so so huge that you actually cannot visualize what it's supposed to look like. You've got to start with something that you know you can manage 
within your skill set and within your resources. So I would never have been able to start anything virtually if I didn't have the resources at my disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of guts. I won't, I won't lie. I have a lot of courage and, I, and I'm happy to make mistakes because that's how you learn. So I'm happy to, to fail and, and apologize, but you know, you, you keep getting up and you keep trying again. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for myself to be, you know, I'm doing it for, for the better, for the better good of, of the school that I believe in. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's about trying, trying your best. And if you fail, well, get up and try again. Yeah. You know? Well, that is fundraising right there. That is. <laughs> I cannot that tell is. you. I mean, I've, I have put on some really, really awful fundraisers <laughs> mm. in my day, you know, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. Like, who knows? You've never done this murder mystery before. And, yeah. you know, it may be like a killer fundraiser where people are like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. We need to do it again. And then you may get done with it and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. We will never do that again. (laughs) Yeah. And Zoom fatigue is real. That's the other thing is when you start talking to people and they say, oh no, I don't like Zoom. I don't like um, streaming. I don't like listening to podcasts or webinars. But if you say to them, but it's interactive, so you need to be involved. You need to jump in with us and, and sort of guide. You can, you can steer the conversation. You can add your own, you know, ideas. And, and it's, it's supposed to be something that you're involved in. You're not just sitting passively watching a Netflix. You know, you're actually involved in it yourself. Yeah. And then they sort of listen and say, oh, how, how does it work? And then you have to explain the, the nuts and bolts of, of, of how it works. And if they can understand the concept then generally they're very keen. But if they think they're just going to have to sit and watch, you know, just a, a, a picture show, then it's, it's, it's very difficult to encourage people to get involved when, yes, all they're doing is watching TV and, and taking part in Zoom meetings. Right. You know, they're done. They're done with that at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with what is available on Zoom too with using the breakout rooms and you know there's there's so much more that can be done online and virtually than I think that we've even tapped into so far. So mm. I think that that's that's also something just for everyone to be just thinking about is how can you show up to stuff like this. So I'm going to give a, a plug <laughs> to your fundraiser because you know it here you're already doing the work to put this out there. So go check out fundraisers like this. Go step in and try them and see what other people are doing and then just copy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's yeah. the thing about the nonprofit space is that, I mean, in, in any, you know, the business space too, is that most people are not coming up with it all on their own. They're going, they're watching somebody else do it and then they're replicating and making it their own. So yeah, here's an opportunity definitely. for you to check out what Philip is doing and, um, and go from there. So uh, before we wrap, I'll make sure that we get, we get a link to your fundraiser in the show notes and make sure that people have access to checking it out to um, also, you know, help your charity as well. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that tell us real quick, because you have listened to every episode of the Fundraising Freedom uh, podcast, what does Fundraising Freedom mean to you as, as a charity leader? Sure. I think what it means to me is that you, as a fundraiser, I don't think you ever switch off. You never switch off from, from working. I think we are driven people. We are workaholics, most of us. We always are looking for the next opportunity. Um, 
And I don't know if you're like me, Mary, but I love being busy. I love being productive. But that can also be my downfall because, because I struggle to switch off and you tend to be juggling too many balls. Um, and I think for me, having your strategy, um, your seven steps, and I do, I have started following that. Um, and I've found that if you follow those steps and it gives you, you know, the, 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 the beginning of the funnel, so to speak, which you need to be knowing where you're going. So you need to have that vision. You need to be focusing on number one, what is, what is it that you're wanting to raise? Are you wanting to raise 10 or a hundred or a million rand? So you have to have that figure. Um, and then being able to do the research that you need to know, who am I going to be targeting? Who am I going to be asking? Um, who else is doing something at the same time as I'm wanting to do my thing? Because we know in a little town where I come from, if there's one big golf day happening and you're trying to do your little golf day, the golfers are not going to be able to go to both because the one course that you're wanting to do your golf day on is going to be busy. Um, so I think having your steps in place and following those steps and not deviating from the plan just gives you, puts you on, on the right course um, so that you don't end up sort of rushing around trying to do everything and losing focus with actually what, what was the end goal? Mm. Um, you know, so, so I do think that for me, having those, those seven steps and being able to tick off everyone, knowing that I've done it properly, um, that to me just gave me a sense of, of freedom because then I knew if I was just following that, I wouldn't deviate and I wouldn't end up um, sort of dropping, you know, 10 balls um, that I would just be, be able to, focus my energies on the end on the end goal you know yeah and i, I think the other thing is well, we, we we struggle to delegate um because we we want to do things properly and you speak about making sure that you have your team but then also deploy your team so making sure that you give them the tools but let them do it you don't need to micromanage them once they know what they're doing let them do it um and, and not try and do it all because you, if you're going to try and do it all, you're going to end up not doing anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I just found your, that, that guideline very, it made sense to me. That's so that, awesome. that to me was, yeah, that was yeah. my freedom. Yeah, so for good. Sure. Well, and you know, I think that that's as a fundraiser myself, it, you know, I, I found myself in that same place where it was like, you're just frantically running from one place to the next. And although it does feel good to be busy, I mean, that, you know, when you're busy, mm -hmm. you feel like, oh, I'm getting stuff done and I'm making a difference in the world. But when you do start to feel like it does any of this matter, mm -hmm. and am I making this harder than it should be? <laughs> you start to realize, well, like, uh, yeah. I need help. <laughs> Well, how many times have you, have you had a busy day? You're lying in bed at night and you're thinking, sure, what a busy day. And you think, what did I actually achieve? Yeah. Not a lot, but I was just busy being busy. Right. You know? Right. And you have so many people that are depending on you, especially in a school system, you know, that it's like you have mm -hmm. really, really important, you know, a really important job to do that there are certain things that only you can do. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to fundraising, I'm like, there are so many jobs that people can pick up that, you know, yeah, you would be great at it, but you know, they, they can do it. <laughs> they can do it so much better. Yeah. So and much better. When they have a skill set, you know, and that's why when you mentioned your husband, you know, doing, you know, he does events 
And mm. so for him, you know, he's already gifted at that. And I'm the same way with my husband where I'm like, okay, you're creative. I'm not. <laughs> it's like, mm. I don't like doing the technology stuff. He's great at it. You know, so it's like, it's those partnerships that you have with mm. people that it does make a huge difference to just, hey, you do what you're already good at. Absolutely. And let me do what I'm good at. And we can exactly. all move that much further faster. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, that's exactly right. I love it. I also love that you are, you know, most of my listeners, you know, do come from Canada or, or the United States or the UK. And I mm. love that, you know, in South Africa, where you're located at, that you have been able to really modify a lot of the concepts that we share on the podcast to fit your location. And I, I think that that's important for people to hear that, mm. you know, that you can surround yourself. And that's where one of the ideas that I, I share often is, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. And oh, how have you surrounded people around you so that you could be more successful in the work that you're doing? Well, if I had to, if I put it into context with, with, with the school mm-hmm. um, as a base, I think when, when I started the school, um, well, it was myself and there were two other ladies that started the school. And I think it was that sheer um, challenge of doing something in a, in a space where there wasn't a lot of facilities for children with special needs in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to explain my idea and make sure that they trusted me enough to jump in with me and help me to get from one side of the pond to the next. Because I think, again, this is something that I, I never envisioned that I would be sort of sitting in this space. When I started teaching, I was teaching grades one, two, and three. I was a classroom teacher, and that's what I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a teacher. Um, and, and, you know, here I'm sitting sort of thinking to myself, wow, I'm actually on this podcast talking to this amazing lady on the other side of the world. And we're talking about something that I've had to start doing because again, otherwise who else is going to do it? Yeah. You know? And so I suppose that has challenged me to expand my skill set um, to do something that I would never have otherwise been able to do. So I think surrounding yourself with people that believe in you, that people trust you because Again, as a fundraiser, um, people are trusting you with their money. So they have to know that their money, their hard-earned money is going to the place that they are giving it to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in order for you to, to um, make sure that they give you their trust so that they can do it again, not just give it once, but possibly give it next year and the year after that and the year after that. So to surround yourself with people who... I suppose, share your passion, share your, your honesty, your integrity, um, and also the, the longevity of what you're doing. That it's not just for the short haul. You know, you're in it to win it. You've got to make sure that it lasts way, way after when you've died, that school is still going strong and it's still making a difference to children. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, team, there's no I in team. Eh? It's all about the team and you've got to surround yourself with people who are positive people that are constantly pushing you beyond your, you know, beyond your comfort zone. Um, And I think that's the most important thing. Otherwise, you know, we just get, we can get very bogged down into the negative and, and we could sort of, you know, give up and say, oh, well, you know, I can't, 
we can't do this gala or we can't do that golf day or we can't, oh, well, you know. But now you have to sort of push on and see what else you can do. So I must admit, um, I've, because of this whole crisis and seeing what other people are able to do during the pandemic, um, it's good to know that you're not alone, even though we're in South Africa, you might be in the States, um, you know, there are other fundraisers all over the world. We're comparing notes all the time. What worked for you? What didn't work? How could I do that? Um, and make sure that you sort of, you're, you're, you're surrounding yourself with other people who, who are doing what you're doing, but even better so that you can constantly be learning from them. So great. Well, and humans are humans, right? Like, look at how we can connect on something that's just, hey, when you're passionate about something, you want to be all in on it and you want to invite so, other people so to true. join you. So I just, I love that you are, you said it earlier that you've got a lot of guts. <laughs> and I feel no like you have a lot of guts <laughs> and you are not afraid to try new things. Like you just said, you were, a, you know, first, second and third grade teacher. And then, you know, who would have thought that you would be yep. running this incredible school and helping so many families. And, you know, and I think that there's a lot of people who are um, out there who kind of fell into their charitable role and just mm. because, I mean, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, it's like, and you kind of just somebody's like got to block unblock that drain, right? Right. <laughs> and and fundraising is so much like that. Where yeah, when the ball drops, like you know that you've got to be there to pick it up. But if you can create a a team of people that come alongside you that you know that you can trust each other, that that makes a big difference. So um, I mm. love that you're you're building out your team. I know you're still a work in progress, like we all are, and mm. and trying to just you know navigate through this season. But I I tell people you know often when it comes to fundraising is that you 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 will never figure it out. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you, you will never exactly. arrive. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say that is how do you know that a fundraising initiative has been a success? You know, that's, I mean, I think that everybody has a different definition of success. And you and I, when we were talking prior to jumping on, um, on the recording today is that, you know, I mean, sometimes the success that you're trying to create is just that people know that you exist that you're an option, that you're making a difference in your community. And so success, whenever I ask somebody, my very first question, you know, oftentimes when I meet with a new client is I just ask them, how much are you trying to raise and what are we trying to accomplish here? And many times people, they don't lean heavy on the money. It's like, yeah, we'd like to raise, you know, we'd like to raise some money from this, but we really want to make sure that people know that we're an option. And so that's where I think it's hard to start comparing yourself and your fundraiser with everybody else's fundraiser because you're like, oh my gosh, they raised all this money and look at all the success that they're having. But you don't realize that behind the scenes, maybe one donor gave a really large gift and it really wasn't that great of a success. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. It's all what happens. It's all the other things that are happening. Sure, you want to raise an amount of money, but all the other things that come free with that, you can't actually, it's priceless. 
Yeah. And you can't well. quantify even like what you were saying about like, we're going to do something right now um, and we'll see how it goes. And maybe the next one, it'll, you know, we'll, we'll branch off from it or grow from it and that. So it, it's hard to, yeah, tangibly say, was that a success? Was it not? Mm. It's usually that idea then evolves. And then you're like, oh, we're going to take that piece from that fundraiser. And we're going to take that piece from that one. We're going to pull it together and it's going to be something totally beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I love that. So as we wrap up today's conversation, uh, you know, and just you're, you're trying to just navigate through this like everybody else, but, uh, what advice would you give to people, you know, just as they're walking this out alongside you, maybe something that you would want somebody else to say to you <laughs> during this time, uh, that could just be an encouragement to them as they, they step forward. I think it's, it's all about just don't give up. Um, you've just got to have that grit. You've got to have that resilience. Um, this kind of, um, not even a career, this vocation, there are no pats on the back. Um, you're not going to get people saying thank you all the time. You're not going to get that recognition. It's what you're doing behind the scenes. Um, and I think you need to be the kind of person that is extremely self-driven um, and that you don't mind asking, you don't mind asking for help. Um, you've got to absolutely love what you do. It's not a job. Um, it's definitely not, um, you can't quantify fundraising. It's just not something that you can put a, a, a price on. Um, and I think the most important thing is that you must, you must work with your own skill set. You've got to do what you know you can do well and bring in other people to fill in the gaps that you don't have. You cannot try and do everything. Um, you cannot be good at everything. And um, so I think when you, when you create your team and you, and you um, deploy your team, you've got to make sure that you've got somebody who's excellent with admin. You've got to have somebody who's excellent with numbers and figures and math. You've got to have somebody that's a designer that can create your event page on Facebook or whatever. Um, and you've got to have the, I suppose, the cheerleader, you know, somebody that keeps everybody together and make sure that there's donuts and coffee going all the time. Everybody's got their, their role to play. And I think, I think you've got to, you've really got to surround yourself with people that you, that you enjoy spending time with and you enjoy what you do. You've got to love what you do. It's not a job. Yeah, you play, you play. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you've got you to play. play. <laughs> And, yep. and that is, yeah, that's you play, enjoy, enjoy every moment of it. I love enjoy it. it. You're doing it so often. You're having to do it all the time. So you may as well enjoy it. Yeah. And so many people just like you, Philippa are, yeah, it's, it's such a bigger calling. And so that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing yes. that. And, and just, uh, what's the best way that people can uh, get to know you more, uh, Elson Academy and maybe check out that murder mystery fundraiser that you're putting on. Yeah, I think Facebook, um, Mary, I think Facebook, Philippa Fabry, I've got um, my private page and then the Elson Academy page. Um, that's the best way. I'm not, I'm not a great Twitterer. Um, I'm not really on, on, um, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not really on Instagram. The school's on Instagram. I'm not. Um, so I think Facebook is the easiest 
Okay. We're all on Facebook, aren't Perfect. we? Perfect. Hey, that falls right in line with my last episode. <laughs> we'll make sure that we have the link in the show notes for uh, your Facebook page and uh, just for you guys to get connected. And I, I just love this fundraising freedom community that we have is that you guys are all just really, really generous people. And Philippa, I believe that about you too, is that, you know, you today just being um, able to, you know, willing to jump on today's episode and share your story about just navigating through this and you know um all that mm -hmm. i just you're an, an excellent example of the listeners that are a part of this podcast and just appreciate you so much all right guys well i hope you guys have a great week let's go change the world one volunteer and one dollar at a time